Bases loaded and one out. Marcus oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in, everyone, to episode 180, 180, I don't even know anymore, of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland and... It's been a while. I don't know. I can't keep up with how long I don't record anymore, but exciting news. This whole offseason is going to be full of stuff, and we've already gotten it kicked off over here. And this podcast is now brought to you by Gaining the Edge Fantasy, GTE. You can find us all on Twitter, whatever, but uh, on patreon.com slash GTE Fantasy, the letters GTE Fantasy. And the first show, first episode brought to you by said new well, I don't know what the what, new brand. Um, also, I brought in a uh, part of that. So one of the guys I've been working with for a long time in this industry, one of the, my best friends, someone I hate so much, but love the guy at the same time. And it's his reintroduction to the show because going forward, Simeon is back. He left me. He left me out there dry years ago. He's like, you know what? He's like, Mike, I'm not going nowhere. I don't want to do anything. He decided he wanted to see what the grass, you know, if the grass was greener on the other side. Guess what? Two years later. He's back because he realized the grass was not greener. He's going to be a regular part of the show again. And you all know Mike Simeone. You can follow him on Twitter at SPStreamer. Mike, you know when they say you love someone, you let them go, and if it's meant to be, they'll come back? <laughs> Mike, this, we're so, that, was we're a, that, was, that was the worst introduction of all time. We're, uh, <laughs> we're soulmates, man. That's I, think I, that, I think I might have threw you off a little bit when I was putting on my chapstick to start, too. Oh, um, were you? Oh, man. No, I, 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 I couldn't look at the camera because not only have I not had a guest on other than George, who's not here tonight. It's been me and George. They're, he's not a guest. He's a co-host. Um, this is the first time I've had a guest on, other than, and like I said, other than recording with George over the last couple, like, few months, like four or five months. And you're not even a guest. It goes from like, hey, I just have George to now. I have George and Mike. Mike's back. And yes, I told you, grass wasn't greener on the other side. You left me. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have welcomed you back with open arms. But here we are. Good. Yeah. So I mean, as you alluded to, we started gaining the edge fantasy with me, you, George, Bubba, and uh, basically brought a Patreon, and we all kind of bring our own little things to it. Um, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's uh, it'll be nice for all of us because basically all of us. I feel like we all kind of like had burnt out slash needed to take a little step back. And I think joining all of us joining together can kind of help us do that where we could just kind of focus on what we want to focus on and, you know, have more time to like spend with our family and do other things. So I think this was a smart thing to do and we're going to bring a lot of value to the fantasy community as well. I agree. And it's cool. We can talk about some of the perks. So we start off at $5 and then we up to $20 and we have everything. We have a $10 tier in between um, this year. Exclusive to the Patreon is going to be stuff like my spring training lineup chart that people seem to really enjoy every year. I, I, I it was hard for me to, to do this, but putting it behind the paywall, I know people are going to hate me for it, but it's hours of work. And I'm like, it's a, I'm, my goal is to bring people in and hope they stay. It's, it's part of the lowest tier. But um, that's one of the things we're doing. Um, George being, you know, NBC Sports Edge. George, George did relief pitching. He's bringing his relief pitcher stuff. Um, we have you have you. I have my in season lineup takeaways too. So I'm still doing the lineup stuff all season long. But now it's just going to be to you know a little bit for the athletic. But 95 percent of it's going to be just on the Patreon. And then you, Bubba has his DFS stuff. 
Um, we're going to be doing a bunch of draft prep. We have a, you know, our, every year you, we, I've been a part of your uh, draft kit for years. We're bringing that to this to over here as well. And all four of us are going to contribute now. So like you mentioned, you alluded to it, that we're kind of just teaming up and dude, we talked about this. Let's let's. let's uh, we're gonna get to actually for people who are interested, <laughs> the fantasy baseball side of things because it's the off season. We have time to you know ramble on, which I'm gonna take advantage of. I haven't talked to Mike here <laughs> on the on the computer on the computer. I haven't talked to you face to face, air quotes, in years, <laughs> in years, in, years. Like in, in months, in months. It feels like legitimately it's been a few months. But um, before we get into like what we're gonna talk about tonight, which is a few little things, a few hitters I'm already in on for 2023. It's like that. Yes, we're already getting to that point of the off season where. You're, you have your top, I think, 10, 15, 20 pitchers. We'll talk about those. I only know top five, and I still forgot them. But we'll, I'm going to react to them and give you, and just give you some really, really awesome feedback or terrible feedback. <laughs> which really look at it. Um, and then we'll talk about, like I said, those three or four hitters. There's three I'm in on. One guy I already, already realized I'm not really in on, but I'm wondering where his price is going to be. Anyway, uh, so, Mike, let's talk your top 10. Let's start with your top 10, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, hit me with the first couple, like three to five. Okay. Um, well, 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 right, I don't so, know. Is this not how you? This is what you told me you wanted to talk about. Well, yeah, 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 you're, yeah, and now yeah. you're like, you look at your throat. You're no, like you're throwing the off. way you worded it was weird. Okay. Um. So yeah. So I'm obviously running through pitchers at this point and uh, trying to create some kind of rankings. Even though I don't really believe in rankings, but um, at least like figuring out the tiers, I'll say. Um. And running through them. So I've only finished, let's see, I've only gone through 40-ish pitchers so far. Only. Um, it's October, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm taking it slow. I mean, well, yeah, well, I'm through 40 of 260 I have on my list. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, anyway, so these, I want to say, so I have looked into each one of these pitchers. I do have a full spreadsheet of all the stats and everything I think are important already. Um but I, these obviously aren't um, like, you know, cemented right now. Dude, like it's October. 100%. I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm putting this caveat out there because I don't want to go through this and then say I, I released wait. it in like two months and some of it's different. People are like, oh, what happened? So, um, yeah. So anyway, there are still some more, there's still more diving to do and things to do. But um, for the most part, you know, I've looked into a decent amount and, you know, for each pitcher. Um, so number one, I have Corbin Burns and um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Garrett Cole's number two. I feel like between them two, it's, they're going to be interchangeable. Um, Burns did have somewhat of a slower last two months, but I just don't see like he had a decline in stat and like, you know, metrics and everything, but I just don't see anything that's showing like a, a reason why. And he's been really good for two years in a row. So, I mean, th- uh, sorry, three or f- three seasons in a row now. Um, so it's hard to go against him. But anyway, so I have Cole, I have Burns one, Cole two, and then the obvious Shane McClanahan three. Uh, I think those are going to be a lot of people's top three. Do you kind of agree there, Mike? Um, I don't see why not. And I think they're going to be one of those. You're going to, I hate these arguments. I already can see it. I have Cole at one. I have Burns at one. How do you not have McClanahan? I think I already saw in your comments. How do you not have McClanahan one? I think <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, it was encouraging to see his velocity was, you know, at least in the last uh, playoff start, it was up again, like back to where it was. The shoulder isn't going to be an issue. He was dealing with it at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like that. So that's like, that's encouraging. You like to see that. 
I'm just wondering. Um, I'm just wondering if, it, and I'm guessing that's all it is with you is it's track record, right? Like you're just at this point, you're picking track record over over the oh, uh, like Burge, Cole, or McClanahan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the fact that both of them pitched basically 200 innings while McClanahan didn't. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think McClanahan's really good. He had the highest swing strike percentage of any starter that's not named Jacob Degrom. So, um, you know, I, I think there's no question with those top three. Uh, some people might put others in there, which I guess I could, uh, you know, it depends who it is, but, uh, you know, it's it seems about right. But I bet you those three are top five for everybody. And I I'll don't be shocked really, if they're not. Yeah, I don't really see a problem. That's Again, I'm with you. Tiers are the way to go. Yeah, um, so so that's like my tier one, which is like I feel like that's the aces, like the true the true aces that you could be very comfortable with in terms of um, whether it's innings or just rate, like you know, just very the highest floors. Okay, um, and then for for second tier, which would be in my ranks from number four to seven, so another four pitchers, I have Brandon Woodruff. Dylan Cease, Aaron Nola, and Sandy Alcantara. Now, why do you have? I guess it's hard to argue. I just look at Alcantara and you, you know, the 200 plus innings every year, and he's just such a rock. And I feel like Nola, we've seen so many ups and downs. I know you've been a Nola guy since I remember. Like I feel like it's been four years or so now, Mike. Um, yeah, well, no, yeah. So, Woodruff, um, Woodruff and Cease are, you know, they are who they are. There's no arguing that either. I'm just wondering. Why, with Cease having less of a track record of success than Alcantara, you have Nola, who's shaky at times, Woodruff, who had a shaky start to the year. I, I'm again, this is your tier, so you can argue all these. I'm guessing at this point, when you put a tier together, you you pretty much say, hey, these guys are pretty equal in value. It's preference. So I'm just nitpicking here, but why is Alcantara not above these guys for you? Yeah, so um, like you said, these are guys who I would like as my uh, SP1s, like, you know, end of first late second base. I mean, early second, basically, or second round even. Um, but I have Alcantara lower than them for um, the biggest reason I'm against him. And a lot of people ask me, and again, I have no reason to believe that Alcantara will get hurt. Obviously, there's no reason to believe he'll get hurt. But the problem is, is when you're taking him so high, like if your team is the fourth pitcher off the board, you 100% without a doubt need 200 innings from him. So if he hits the IL once, right? And let's say, or let's see, he puts up 180 innings, he will not be a top four pitcher because of the strikeouts. There just won't be there. He's like a strikeout per inning type of guy. Like if Sandy pitches 180 innings, he's going to get 180 strikeouts. So um, if he only throws up 180, he's he's not going to be nearly as valuable as what people think, you know? So like the people are putting him at four. I just don't see it because will he likely pitch 200 innings? Sure. But you absolutely, again, you absolutely need that for him to return value. And there's, of course, there's always a chance that a pitcher can get hurt and that that's not going to happen. Whereas you would have Dylan Cease, who, if he puts up 100 innings like he did this year, he's still throwing like 230 strikeouts. So, you know, I just think uh, Alcantara is just going to reach, is reaching, he's going to be at taken at the point where it's like his absolute like height and where you absolutely need those innings. And if it's 
that one year while Contra doesn't have those innings, then he, he's going to, you know, not, it's not going to be a profitable pick. I, I get it. I, I do. And maybe I'm just biased. I mean, not even as a Marlins fan, just li- like, it's funny. I'm looking at Woodruff too. And I, you remember how rough he started? <laughs> Woodruff. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a rough start though for him. It's just crazy. Cause him and it's like almost like the Monstar and the basketball, him and Burns touched the same baseball and Woodruff turned it, you know, he had the strong second half. And Burns turned into a pumpkin in the second half. All things considered, yeah. you know. So the two of them flip flopped. So I, I, I don't blame you. I, and also, if Woodruff, you know, Woodruff ending ending up having the same line, similar line to the year before, all that good stuff. I don't see why you don't take. I think Woodruff for me, he's, he's actually. I would have Woodruff at the top of this tier. Well, I and look then, as at Woodruff as a whole. Like, so his last three seasons combined, he has a two eight four ERA. Yeah, the dude's a stud, and, and he just, gets more, uh, and he gets more strikeouts than Sandy. So like. I just think if you get 180 from Woodruff and 200 of Sandy, Woodruff is going to be just as valuable. Oh no, and I like Woodruff too. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm with you on the Woodruff over Sandy uh, thing. It's uh, I think my I big one. I think, I think, I think the main. What happened? I thought you were questioning it. No, I was. My only question, I guess, my only real question here is Nola. I think Cease has less of a track record, so you can argue track record there. But I think Nola is the only one because I think Nola is very similar. Like, yeah, sure, he has a little more strikeout upside, but not enough for me to you know, not take what Sandy's given us over the last few years. Yeah, it's over, a decent argument. I mean, again, and, I have a six, seven, so, you know. No, I know, but I'm going to, I'm this the whole point of top 10 is for me to nitpick. <laughs> you know. Why'd you, why'd you come on and talk about this? If you didn't think I was going to nitpick a few things. <laughs> um, I think the big thing, the big takeaway from the top seven, no Jacob deGrom. Yeah, oh, he's eight. He's eight? Oh, is he? Uh, so, yeah, so my next tier um, is guys like that, have question marks but have really high talent so um it would be degrom obviously best pitcher in baseball but you know the high injury risk of course um obviously otherwise he's number one no doubt um strider who is amazing um but you know he it's tough guys who throw that hard you know 98 miles an hour that's like degrom-esque and he's going in his second year he only pitched 107 innings this year so like i feel like he kind of has um 107 as a starter i think that's he kind of has somewhat of a risk of injury because of that so um but apparently I'm high on him because another analyst released his top 100 and strider was 15 so um, I guess I'm on the higher side. <laughs> you might, but I won't say you what, might come down though. I, when I, I, put, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, who knows when I put Strider, when I put my top five on Twitter and Strider wasn't in it though, a million people said we're Strider. So maybe I'm not high. Maybe just the other person is very low. I don't know. We'll see what happens when ADP comes out. Um, so anyway, so DeGrom injury Strider, you know, no track record truly. Um, then I actually have Urias as number 10 and it's just because he i mean the problem with him is not a lot of strikeouts but he leads the league in era in the last two seasons and and wins and is really good whip and just like a ratio monster he's only 26 yeah he's just (laughs) like turned 26 i think people forget how young he is i forget how young he is he's essentially he is alcantara but without the innings in my opinion and the team that's willing numbers are identical except Urias throws not as fast and but is on a better team. So um 
So you said Degrom, Strider, Urias, or is it Urias? I never know. I always forget. Uh, it's uh, Urias. Urias. Okay. I think it's Urias. No. Wait. All right. So no, Urias. To- Urias. Urias. All right. So I got Degrom, Strider, Urias, and then Scherzer and Verlander. So you have. It's funny. So you have all upside injury risk. You know, huge ceilings, and then, have, and then you have, and then you have, and then you have Urias just right in the middle. Of it all. <laughs> like, yeah, he is right in the middle of it all. Like you can argue Urias in the next t- in that upper tier, like you said, because he's so close to Sandy in terms of like skill set. But yeah, he, there's yeah. A, but the thing is, is I think he has even less strikeout upside. Although I think there's a strikeout upside there. That's so actually no. So like there's untapped to, to Sandy. I think Sandy has a little more. No, so I, I'm I'm I have a little more edge over you right now because I have all these numbers in front of me. Um, so Urias had a better whip. Better ERA, better strikeout rate, um, a better K walk rate, and I think that's it in so terms why, of like that stuff. So why so, the is just the innings? It's just the innings, exactly. So like I said, I think I think they're identical pitchers, but I'll contrast the innings. So obviously, I'll contrast the bigger edge over. Um, so well, I guess it's a trade off with the wins. I don't know. Eh, you know. They're close. And, and Scherzer and Verlander, I feel like there's nothing that needs to be said about them. You know what you're getting, even though they're old. You know, they're yeah, probably, they're gonna have an IL stint or two probably. They're just you know, good, they're really good pitchers, but yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. But what you might get 150 out of them, and that's like you saw what Verlander could do with 150 plus. You know what I mean? Like you don't need more out of them. Like you right. draft these guys, you just have to remember and be, be like, hey, maybe want to hit pitching really soon after you get these guys. Yeah. Uh, it's just hard. Um, it's hard to look at Strider and think Strider over Scherzer. It's just hard. Like it's the name value. You know what I mean? These guys are just. It's just if you insane. look at Strider, it's just insane. I, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But it's almost like that. It's almost like Glass now. Like where, like it's almost like I remember Glass now was so highly touted coming off that yeah. year. It was a very similar year where he figured it out. He was looking amazing. Got TJ. It ruined everybody. But it, it, right. it reminds me of that, that that arc that that arc in terms of like, oh man, this guy's gonna it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Glass is gonna break out. He's gonna and he was looking like he was going to before he had TJ. So Strider could easily be like legit and you know pan out. I just feel like it's so hard to sit there and bank on that when you have. Scherzer and Verlander are likely going after him. You're, and so it's hard for me. It's hard for me in terms of a draft capital to be like, yeah, I'm going to take Strider over these proven guys that are bigger injury. I don't even know if they're bigger injury risks. Strider dealt with his own issues at towards the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. Um, oh, I don't care what it was. It's still the guy throws like as hard as he throws. Has he ever had TJ before? Yeah, I don't know. Well, again, that's why I think he brings higher risk. Um, he's tough. It's it, This whole group is really hard for me to think about because and figure out. Um, because this tier with DeGrom, Schrader, Rios, uh, Scherzer, and Verlander, like I would, I would only take any of these guys if they're my second pitcher. You know? Um, like, I would only take strider if i'm pairing him with woodruff for cole you would you I mean? actually take pitching this early to a point where you're getting both these guys though because you realize in a 12 teamer these are probably top three rounds in of pitching no right Even i i haven't i haven't even thought about i don't know i don't know my strategy draft strategy yet, <laughs> but um i just in my brain like that's how i was thinking like like these guys i would only take as my sp2 um so I need them low enough where it's obtainable. Like if you went pocket aces, you could obviously do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because this is actually your top twelve. I just 
numbered them. So just to read, 12, yeah. yeah, just to uh, go back over them, uh, you had tier one, one, two, and three: Corbin Burns, Cole, Cole and McClanahan. McClanahan. Four, five, six, seven. You had Woodruff, Cease, Nola, Sandy. Eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You had Degrom, Strider, Urias, Scherzer, Verlander. Um, do you want to keep going, or do you want to leave them there? Because I'll do I'm... one last here. Um, right. Tier four. I feel like, and this will probably change because I think there's a pitcher or two I haven't gotten to yet that could come into this tier. Um, but it's then I have Gosman, who I'm kind of surprised with myself at because I'm not a Gosman guy, but <laughs> no. No, you're His not. two pitches just continue to be unbelievable. And it's just like, I know this year I'm finally going to be like, all right, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Osman, guys. And then he's going to be atrocious. We all know that's going to happen. I can't um, wait. I can't wait. But yeah, this tier is uh, Gosman at 13, Castillo at 14, Gallon at 15, Darvish at 16, and then Otani at 17. Oh, and then Wheeler at 18. So wait, say that again. Gosman, what? I, I so Gosman at thirteen. <laughs> it's all right. Gosman at thirteen. Castillo at fourteen. Castillo. I think Castillo could actually potentially be in for a massive year. Um, Gallon at fifteen. Darvish at sixteen. Yeah. Otani at seventeen, and then Otani, Wheeler at eighteen. I just wish they would let him pitch every uh, fifth day. I know, but it's hey, hundreds. Think about one hundred sixteens. One hundred sixteens of a two three five year. Right? I mean. <laughs> I know, but then how do you? St- the problem is, is like daily leagues. Yeah, he's still in that number. He's the number one overall pick in a daily league. Yeah, I mean, again, this is his pitcher only. So, like, this would be he becomes you know, a pain in the ass. It's very, very different if you're in a league where he's both. The only league he's separate in is Yahoo. So, I I agree. It's kind of like it's kind of dumb to rank. It's it's just weird. It's it's stupid to rank him almost. <laughs> well, he's but, a top twenty pitcher and a top ten hitter. Like I know. And I the thing know. is, those he's a, he's the number one pick in a daily format. But outside of daily leagues, the dude is it's hard. I I have him now. It was nice to have the bat, but like there was times when I, or I need pitching. But then like I would start him. And it's like one of his like one of those like bad outings he had like three of them. And I, I swear I only started him for those three. So I was like, what the hell? I couldn't pick a good outing for him. But it was mm. hard because the dude's stealing bases, hitting home runs. I needed those stats too especially in a year where power's down. So although right. it's not, like, I do enjoy having that. I enjoy knowing I'm getting two players in one in a draft. That's why in, in the first round, even in an FBC format, in a, you know, in a weekly type of format, I'll still take them in the first round happily because I think it's a good problem to have. You love having that issue. Like, oh, I have to figure out which way to start them. Like the fact that you have two ways, you know what I mean? It's, that's a right. huge, I think it's a huge benefit. I think people last year were um, so scared of that without realizing. I know Rob, Pool hitter was a really big advocate of drafting them and playing the matchups weekly like that. And I think that was a smart move. And plus, I think people were afraid, weren't sure if they should buy in on him, you know, being able to do what he did again. And he did. So Otani's yeah. somebody. But this whole tier, I, I see, I always, every year I find a tier where, like right in the middle rounds, this right around this area where I'm like, I fall in love with it. And dude, honestly, yeah. I, I could see myself, I know I'm going to do a couple drafts where. I'll probably skip on these top 12 names and double tap this range. Darvish, Ga- I want Gallon's great too, but I, I think I want Castillo, Gosman, and Darvish. If I can get one of the, if I get, if I get two of those three, I think I'm going to do a lot of those drafts. And of course, it's going to fail. Naturally, it's going to fail. But I think <laughs> I'm going to do like, I'm going to get, because those are the guys that are going to go in the third, fourth, fifth round. You're going to see these guys go in that fourth, third, fourth round probably. So I can go hitter, hitter, pitcher, pitcher, which is actually my preferred start. I like getting hitters first. But um, yeah. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it, well, who knows the, what ADP is, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, these are guys, Castillo, man, especially, man, I, I'm a sucker for it, but it's, I'm pretty sure the weather's not going to be great for him in Seattle. Is it, wait, is it, he's That's a good point. No, he, he, he signed, they signed him an extension. Did they? I missed that. I don't pay attention to this. Yeah, big deal. I'm sure it was. I didn't it's like care. four or five years. Or oh, I definitely did. Right. I definitely should have noticed. I honestly checked out, so I don't know. <laughs> I checked out. Like I'm just as much. It was the very end of. The, it was the oh. very end of the season. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That, at that point, I was just doing my lineup stuff and not thinking, not even looking at SPs. Now I do have a question. Have you looked at Glass now yet? No. So all those guys are at the bottom. So at the at the bottom, I have everyone who like basically didn't pitch. I like Soroka, Means, Maeda, Chris Sale, Glassnow, Paxton, Turnbull, Canning, Strasburg, Sixto, Pearson. I, a lot of people. I, I, there. I, yeah, but I think Glassnow is the one that doesn't deserve to be grouped into that. You know what I mean? Like those names kind of fit. And then Glassnow is the obvious. Like, oh no, no, they're not ranked. I'm just saying no, at the I bottom know. where. Uh, no, I know exactly what you're saying, but I just think it's funny because all those other names kind of make sense that they're there because they're injury prone guys. Blah blah. blah. Glassnow comes back, and I just I don't know. I have a hard yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'm over sure under one thirty of in innings. Over under one thirty. I don't even. <laughs> you, he went. Look. He he went out in the playoffs. Came back. You know, he came back for what. Six innings, yeah, in which is really good to say. Fired really out, fired good. out, fired off a five inning, you know, great outing, and it makes you like. I mean, the price is going to be hyped off of that alone, but I don't. Are, isn't it? It's a contract year, right? I don't think they got him on an extension. I think I don't know. I'll look it up. But Glassdown and Sale will both be up there somewhere. I just, you know, whenever I get to them. No, I hear you. I'm just times. wondering because Glassnell is the guy that like I have my eye on. I think he's gonna end up. I think he's gonna go around that pitcher thirty-ish range and then creep up to the top twenty. He's gonna go. He's gonna take that Verlander route. He's gonna be a guy where people are fading yeah, coming off. The I injury. agree. But then once he's, he's in spring training, he's gonna and he's pitching well. Then he's gonna take off. Yeah, like Ver- Verlander was like a second round pick by the time main events came around last year. I think or yeah. close to it, like right there on the you know that turn. Yeah, the early third. So I think Glass now is gonna be a guy that enters going around like if you get into early drafts, which I will probably you'll see Glass now going around like pitcher 30, 35, and then like oh people are gonna start catching on to ADP because ADP is gonna be released, and oh can't, gotta get glass now, so I'll reach for him around pick 25, you know, pitcher 25 or whatever, and yep. it'll yeah, it's gonna be quick. Yeah, glass now, but it's just it's that type of like he has that elite type of talent, and you're getting him behind the guys that he could finish with he's that guy now i do have a strategy question that i thought about today while i was taking a shower because you know who doesn't think about draft strategy in the shower <laughs> um i love draft champions formats it's uh the you know 50 round draft and hold type formats i prefer them i i don't have a lot of time in season to manage properly it i get burned thinking i could do every year and i can't so i think i'm just gonna stick to the the draft champions the dc the draft and hold whatever you want to call them formats this is yeah. what I thought started thinking about. Phil, along with others, have mentioned in the past how easy it is to come by innings, right? To get innings late in those drafts. So you get hitting, focus on hitting throughout the draft because you can get innings late. If mm-hmm. innings late is so easy to come by, why don't we why aren't we more willing to take risks on SPs? Everyone's so busy fading DeGrom, fading Scherzer, fading insert uh, Verlander. If you took them and paired them with a Ross Stripling, like I had a lot of Ross Stripling this year. If I was if if I had to Grom come back and finish off the way he did, my pitching would have been a, would probably would have helped me win a cash a few more leagues. I ran out of like I, my high end pitchers because I played it safe. I had I had I had, a few, I had some Barrios, I had some um, some other guys that were just like middling, and I'm like maybe if I took some more upside or more elite upside potential and paired it with all these guys, I'm getting like pick 300 and later because I know there's innings there. At least I know I'm getting 100 
of roughly 100. You know, I know DeGrom only pitched like 60 innings this year, but a bad example. But you get my point. Like, I guess what I'm thinking is why don't we take more risks in those formats if innings really are easier to come by as the draft goes on? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things you have to think about this season. And um, I think one big thing is obviously the rule changes. Um, no more shift and stuff like that. And the pitch clock and man, the pitch clock is going to ruin every, it's going to, it's going to really, I feel like pitchers are going to be such a crapshoot. Um, with, <laughs> well, specific pitchers. I know one off the top of my head is Chris Bassett. Cause I'm a Met fan is very slow on the mound. I have no idea how that guy's going to do it. I but, thought Darvish um, was too. Isn't Darvish kind probably of similar, there's, you can look it up on Savant. I forgot where, but I could always find it. You're gonna, you um, tweet, that's probably a good tweet. No, it's been tweeted before. Um, Well, well, here's the scary part. Here's the scary part. So the amount of time that they want a pitcher to pitch the the pitch, right? I don't know what it is, 10 seconds, whatever the heck, however many seconds it is. seconds or something, yeah. Yeah, not a single starter this year was – was delivering a pitch in that amount of time. Everyone was over. <laughs> so so it's going to be a me. major adjustment. But anyway, no. So what I was trying to allude to was um, I think with the shift, uh, we could there it could be a problem for one, for ground ball pitchers. And two, um, I think there's – I think ERA is going to go up a decent amount. And I think because of that, um, pitchers are going to be pulled earlier. And I also think – I feel like there wasn't enough offense this year and I could see the MLB going back to the happy ball. So I, I don't I th- know if they're going to go back to the happy ball if they're getting rid of the shift. Not, I think, I think, I think they're going to let the shift fully, but I think it's not going to be as dead as it was this year. But um, I do. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is I think, I actually think pitching is going to be more valuable this year in terms of getting the higher end guys. So that's where I'm at right now. You don't want Castillo then he's, that's all he does is pitch ground balls. Like if Castillo wasn't a ground ball pitcher, he'd be higher on my list. Cause that makes me want to like, just go straight up strikeouts. Like give me Strider. (laughs) You can have Urias. You can have Nola. He's another guy who could like, but it's, it's very, it's, it's so hard to tell how much of an impact it could be absolutely minimal. It cannot be, but it's just in my brain when I'm doing rankings, like say I think, I think say I think Castillo's the 15th ranked pitcher because he's a ground ball pitcher. I'll shift him down like a couple spots, maybe. That's it. You know what I mean? I think it's a good tiebreaker thing. I don't think it's something you should or over- that. There don't you over- go. Don't overanalyze yes. it. But like, oh, yeah. you're stuck between Castillo or Gosman. Maybe you go. I mean, not that Gosman doesn't get ground balls, but but also look at these teams. <laughs> and think which teams have good defenses. You know, Cardinals are great. Nola, too, yeah. ground ball pitcher. Phillies have the yeah. very interesting, very interesting <laughs> defense, you know, like good point. Do, like stuff like that. Like, you know, the Marlins, yeah. I feel like they only get guys who have gloves because they can't afford the bats. So maybe Alcantara is safe. But that's the type of thing I start thinking about. I'm like, if we're worried about, you know, ground ball pitchers, maybe it's like start looking at the Snolas, the the Uriuses, the guys that aren't getting a lot of strikeouts, guys that can, you know, kind of, and then of course, known for the ground balls like Castillo. You start thinking about that stuff. But um, I want to talk about, it's a couple of fun. Tw- I think this is a fun fact. I wanted to ask your opinion. I'm tweeting it out regardless. It'll probably okay. be out before this episode airs. If not, it'll be around, out around the same time. But I thought this was a fun fact. So among qualified hitters in the second half of 2022, 40 had an ISO of at least 200. So 40 hitters qual- among qualified hitters, sorry. 40 hitters mm-hmm. among qualified hitters in the second half had at least an ISO of 200. Okay. Eight of them 
had an ISO higher than their batting average. So I thought that was interesting huh. that eight okay. of those 40, only eight, like I thought maybe it would be more or less because you know, ISO, especially in the second half, it's probably gonna be inflated for some players, et cetera. But like there was eight players that had or an did ISO. They just, did they basically bet. only hit like home runs? Well, when, when, when I tell you the names on this list, it'll make sense. So, Joey Gallo. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had, they had to have ISO above 200, Mike. All right, all right. <laughs> Which I guess is possible if he only hits like three home runs. Wait, can I guess right. one? I feel he has to be on there. Seth Brown. He was, but barely. Uh, look at his that. ISO was his ISO was two fifty eight. His batting average was two forty nine. Oh wow, his batting average was that high in the second half. Yeah, he Ooh, was a monster okay. in the second half. Um, yeah, another one that the, the the actual one of the guys with the biggest spread and the third highest ISO in the second half, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber had an mm, ISO of two seventy four, batting average two thirty two. Uh, the other names are very obvious too: Eugenio Suarez, uh, Rowdy mm. Telez, hit yeah. a wompy. He had a two fifty eight ISO. Oh, great! It was like top ten, I think, in the second half. He yeah. also only hit two oh eight in the second half. Yeah. Um, yeah. Santander was interesting. Santander, huh. another one, same exact splits as Seth Brown. I got. Did I admit, you know what? Now I have to double check. I wonder if I looked at the names wrong. I, I know Seth Brown. I double check Seth Brown. Maybe Santander, because for them to have the same numbers, I gotta fix that tweet probably. So I'll double check that one. But Barsho, <laughs> Barsho for sure. Barsho was there. I double check. Uh, okay. I, I double check the list, and I, I don't remember seeing Santander. When I double checked. So I'm gonna have to because I know it's anyway. It doesn't matter right now. Um, um Matt Olson, because Matt Olson hit like shit in the second half. Uh, Two nineteen batting average in the second half. 229 ISO and then Carlos Santana because he doesn't ever hit for batting average but hits for power and walks a ton. Yeah. Um, so the names make sense, but I found it. I just thought it was a fun list. Like it just randomly, I was just, you know, I'm scrolling through second half stats and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I thought it was a fun fact. Um, yeah. Well, that was cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I'm happy that I might, like I said, I got to double check it to make sure I didn't screw up the Santander part. I'm double, I'm double checking it right now, by the way. Cause I was going to say, I'm trying to, I'm trying to check for you right now too. No, okay, so I missed. So I wrote the wrong one. It's two fifty four for Santander, two forty two. So I wrote down yes. Seth Brown's. I wrote down Seth Brown's uh, numbers. So the name I got the name right. So Santander did make the list, just wrong numbers. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> All right, good. But, but good. yes, it was a uh, the list is. All correct. right, so you got you got two hitters you want to talk about. Well, I also well I don't know what to think about this guy's not on my list to talk about. But I know what he, one of them is, and I disagree, but. Which one? Wait, wait. Javi Baez? That one? We we're going to talk no, about him. No. Oh, Remember yeah, we, we talked, talked about yes. in the Discord. Yes, yes. But but hold on. I want to bring up another one. Was it just from a, again, from a tweet I did the other day? Just um, Jake McCarthy. I know he had a great second half. I just don't know how to feel about him because it's such a crowded situation. That's going to be somebody I revisit like three times. I hope they trade him. Because the dude hit 300 and had 21 stolen bases in the second half. Yeah. He was one of he was Ridiculous. one of four players that hit 300 and had had at least 10 stolen bases. And uh, the other ones were Michael Harris Jr. No surprise there. Jose Altuve stole 10 bases in the second half. That was interesting. Trey Turner and and, and Stephen Kwan. Mm. Kwan hit 317 and stole 14 in the second half. Wow. Uh, Andres the just missed it were JT Romuto and Andres Jimenez. So it was a fun little like you know four four names like Kwan Altuve Harris. And McCarthy, those guys all were the only four among. Qual- uh, I didn't even look up beyond. Qual- I always forget to take the qualified hitters off because this type of stat. If someone stole ten bases, I want them on this list. But I guess I guess technically among qualified hitters in the second half, those are the only ones that hit three hundred and stole ten plus bases. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting because just the names like Stephen Kwan, like Kwan's a guy I think is going to be underappreciated because people are just going to view him as a as a as a um oh what's his name for the. Arias, like a Luis Arias type, I, mm. but be, be, 
so and it's very it's a fair comp because the power i thought i think it's fluky he had five, he did hit uh kwan hit five out of six home runs in the second half along with the you know the whole getting the ball in the air more he made some tangible changes kwan did but it was like with a less than two percent barrel rate the hard hit rate was under 20 percent. that power is not going to repeat it's not going to sustain over a full season i think it was a i think it was just him getting the ball in the air more and it was just getting over I think Quan yeah. is. I think power wise, he obviously has a little more juice than Arias. But the fact that he's able to give me, you know, batting average runs because he's going to be leading off and stolen bases, Bags. which might, which which stolen bases might come easier this year. The bat, the base is going to get larger. Uh, we saw more stolen bases this year than we did the previous year. So I think Quan's stolen bases because I think there's still a plus compared to what could become, you know, more common. I still think Quan's going to be more of a three category guy. That and and two of those categories runs and on batting average. The fact that he's like a batting average guy that you can definitely get other stuff from is always nice. He's not that two category guy. So Quan's mm-hmm. a guy that I'm very interested in, but uh, it wasn't even on again. It wasn't supposed to be on this list, but I found these names. I'm like, huh? Anyway, right. um, to the list, to the list. So one, I, it's real simple. I, I think I'm going to buy the breakout for Andrew Vaughn and I got to find, I didn't come prepared for this. Obviously naturally who comes prepared for stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew Vaughn this is why I'm buying Andrew Vaughn for 2023 strong Andrew plate Vaughn discipline is... well strong plate discipline <laughs> contact rates Andrew Vaughn is good uh he was in <laughs> September if you actually look at his splits up until September he was actually pretty strong one month under 100 WC plus was like a 92 but then the September just dragged all his numbers down so he had a pretty so he could have just been fatigued uh first full like I don't know if it's for full year but you get my point yeah it's like anyway uh, and Andrew plus, Vaughn. they had the worst freaking manager ever. Who, like, used well, to and play that's the thing. They, so they jerked him around the lineup. They they would sit him against t- like righties at times. They 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 had him learn a whole new position. Dude was a natural first baseman DH type. Jose Abreu's out of town, so Jose Abreu's leaving. He should be playing first base. Assuming, that, and they're not a team that signs. They're not a team that signs people like that. So I don't think they're gonna sign Abreu. So I think Andrew Bond's going to not only have a reg- return to a net more natural position, he has a strong plate discipline and contact rates, like I mentioned, 82nd percentile and max exit below while having a 90th percentile hard hit rate. And he's turning 25 at the start of next year. So he's entering those prime years for a lot of guys. And he has plus pedigree. So I'm projecting power gains with what's good, which should be a solid floor. And I think he's going to have close to a mid-order bat, maybe top five, top six, six on the low end. But if you look at that lineup, it's what Luis Robert it's uh, Eloy, uh, Tim Anderson. So Vaughn could slide right into all that and be a top four, top five batter. And sure, the power growth might only be 25 to 28 home runs, but I think there's a path to like 90 RBI and just kind of being that like boring, solid player. And early, I think early in draft season, you'll get him at a discount. So that's yeah. one of the reasons Andrew Vaughn's a guy that I'm in on already. Yeah, I like that. But like you, you said, like, I think I like that he's got the good plate discipline and everything right there with him. But what you don't like is uh, the next guy here. And, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know if people will realize. Like, I know I wasn't quite – I had no share, so I didn't quite pay attention to just how good he was doing. But, man, I'll tell you what. Eloy Jimenez, dude, crushed it in the second half. And he – so Eloy in the second half hit 323, 391, 558 for a triple slash with a 235 ISO, a 406 Woba, and a 169 WRC+. plus. For those not aware – 100 wrc plus is league average he had a 169 uh elite power and quality of contact you know 91st percentile max exit velocity this is for eloy jimenez 54.9 percent hard hit rate with a 14.7 percent barrel rate 
This was overall in the year, by the way, not just the second half because he didn't play much in the first half. So pretty much second half. Um, uh, but what was what was encouraging was all this came with improved plate discipline and contact rates. He, you know, he's still a young guy. He's still coming into his own as a player. And the reason, a big reason why I'm in on Eloy, um, if you look, they DH the crap out of him the final two months of the year. I think he DH'd almost, almost, I can't say exclusively, but he DH'd a vast majority of the time. I could, I was actually, I actually meant to count tonight. It was, it's pretty much almost every start from like the 20th of uh, July, uh, of August. Like, and before that, it was like frequent. It was still like twice a week before that. And, it's, and then it turned into pretty much every game, the 20th of July, the 20th, 20th of August, all the way through September. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm like, if they are willing to DH him that much, I'm hoping they realize, wait, we can just DH him and keep him healthy. Because the fact that they DH like 30 times in those final like 35 games, that's where I'm getting the encouragement of him being able to stay healthy. That's what I'm buying in on. The fact that the end, yeah, and, I mean, if Abreu's gone, they just put they could put what's his face at first base and uh, Vaughn, and then put him in as a DH most of the time. Yeah, I mean that's what's all about with him is the health, and that's why. Again, I don't doubt his skill set or anything. I just am afraid to draft him because <laughs> he's constantly hurt. I'm no, I know I'm a little more risk averse because I'm just assuming that his ADP is going to be. You know, decently. It, I think it's gonna start off. I mean, it's gonna be. It's. I guess it depends where he is. It's really it's gonna tough be the same. Day. Wasn't last year? Wasn't he like a fourth round pick last year? And I know that's kind of rich for yeah, people. Yeah, it's gonna dude, be way too rich for me. Where's Elo? Fourth round pick on someone who's constantly hurt. Where's Elo? Uh, where's uh? Where's Jordan going? And he was known for always being hurt. Where Pete? Big meat. Pete just took a huge step in ADP. I think early draft he went first round. And I think, and he's deserving of it. I think Eloy is in that conversation when healthy. And I think, argue, I think betting on health, this would be the year to do it if these trends towards the end of last year for him and as hold true in terms of how much he was de-aging. I think that's the key to keeping him on the field. And if there's ever, if there's a hitter that could take that step into that tier with, with Jordan and with, yeah, uh, with Alonzo, that I'm, and I think this is my issue. Last year, I was too conservative. I was afraid to take chances. And I, I know taking chances will burn you, but not if you're taking one chance. Like if, if Eloy is my big risk, I won't take Mike Trout in the same draft. I won't take, yeah. uh, even though Mike Trout was a beast. Now he would have, I think we would have saw a nice little home run race for the AL if, if Trout mm-hmm. stayed healthy, but regardless he didn't. So that's part of the problem with him. But that's my point is um, if I say I go, I, I would like Eloy, I would take Eloy as my second hitter because guy, especially with power being, remember power is going to be sought after too. So people are going to build in this whole idea of we, I need power early. Jimenez is going to get driven up because of the power early thing. You could pair him with a – if you get like a J-Rod in the first, a pitcher in the second, and Eloy in the third or fourth, if you're lucky, you can get him in the fourth. Um, I think that's a way to go. Well, that's a lot of injury risk because obviously J-Rod shows that he's a little injury nicked up, prone to getting nicked up. But you get my point, though. That type of skill set, you get that speed in the first round, you hit it with an Eloy in the third, fourth round, and some pitching in between. I already really like that idea of a build. I, I needed to put it into practice first, see how I build around that beyond the first four rounds. But I'm buying into I, I I'm buying into this is the year. I, I bought him with Buxton. I was wrong on Buxton. Don't get me wrong. We'll talk about Buxton at a later date. I, I even everyone tried. bought into Buxton this year. But this is like I, I, I I'm gonna this year. I'm taking a chance on a guy. I don't think well, here's the thing. Buxton ended up costing us high like higher. Uh, draft equity than I think Jimenez will even at his highest point next year. 
because he lacks that fifth, you know, he lacks that stolen base upside. So at the end of the day, I think if I'm going to take a chance this year, I think Eloy is going to be that guy I'm taking a chance on and compare and then go from there. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty picky choosy about taking chances early in drafts, but I think Eloy will be that guy. I take my chance on, on the offensive side, but I every told you, draft, I, I every draft you're going to have Eloy Mondesi. I refuse to have Mondesi ever. <laughs> you know, and you know that I've never ever drafted him, and I've always gotten burned because every September he comes alive enough to. Except for last <laughs> year, he's always come alive every year. But this is the first year he's like, you know, Mondesi will be back, and he's entering in a position where he doesn't have a starting spot because that team has better players now. Finally, uh, so that's yeah. that's gonna be interesting in its own right. But yeah, so Eloy's guy, I know you aren't so into because of the injury potential. I'm buying into the DHing we saw down the stretch. Like yeah, a lot, I'm talking. I'm talking a lot of DHing. Like I should actually get the numbers and tweet it out and text you. Like, hey, just so you know. Assuming the again, it's obviously we'll see what manager who the manager is and how they treat him in spring training. I think spring training will tell us. Like, okay, he's DHing a ton. Maybe we can expect this. Uh, Grandall's past his prime, so they're not going to force Grandall into extra DH bats. I don't think anymore. Uh, Sheets. It'll, can be, play it'll be interesting to see Eloy's ADP. I got to see where he ends up. Well, I'm gonna be drafting him. I'm gonna I'm gonna draft early, and he's gonna be one of those guys I get early. And um, another guy that I'm actually again goes back to realizing I was too. I used to buy. I used to instead of projecting, instead of trying to project forward with growth in a profile, instead of trying to project forward with younger players, I used to kind of take their stats and just run with them and act like like okay, well, this is what we know. I'm trying to get better at projecting in my because I I just always been that's kind of a bit that was a weakness I saw from last year to this year or from the year before to this year I should say so I'm trying to get better at that and that's where the next guy comes up in O'Neill Cruz Cruz just has my attention in terms of just raw skill set power speed batting average is going to be iffy he's going to be the type of guy that goes up and down all year but I think he's like a 240 hitter probably realistically maybe 250 for lucky but I'm betting on raw skills here quick bat powers out powers literally best in the league essentially and then he has speed to match and now you're looking at a guy who can't hit he can't hit lefties he can't hit lefties at all so even if he, but here's the thing even if he platoons i don't care the guy is so like elite in terms of skill set and power i'll take the strong side platoon and if you look at his numbers against righties he hit like 270 against righties last year i think it was or 269 or something really really close to 270 you take away those bad at bats against lefties he might give you a better batting average um strikeouts are going to be an issue with Cruz, but in terms of raw skills and fantasy potential it doesn't get much higher than that either so i think i'm willing to take a shot on him now here comes the thing if because cruz's adp is probably gonna be close to eloy i can't get both and i won't get both but i will get i will want one or the other in most drafts type of thing yeah see that's yeah. where i balance that's where i balance my my risk reward i'm not gonna get both of those guys but i will take one or the other because i realized i can't play it so safe because playing it safe gets me what third place fourth place I, that's not gonna help Especially yeah. in DC formats where I get it, you want people that can play a lot, but you still need to get the stats. Like, okay, cool. Like people probably drafted DJ LeMahieu for games. He didn't even he barely played. He played. I don't know how many games he played. I know he missed like a solid month or so of the season. I think um, that just goes for example. So if you're if you're betting on a guy to get you games played and they miss any, that comp- that compilation of stats doesn't come. So why not take the guys who can get you stats in bunches and hope they stay healthy? Like uh, Jazz Chisholm, I know didn't work out for us. He was a guy yeah. that I bought into. I bought into Jazz late last season, and honestly, I would have been right. I was right to fade him apparently, but before that, I wasn't. You know, like I was actually like, I'm glad I got a few shares. I think that I, I'm realizing. I know fab leagues or free agent leagues, you could be a little more like liberal with the whole taking chances, but I don't know. I, I'm realizing you got you can't just play it so safe. You're not going to win most leagues playing it safe, especially with an overall uh, built in. 
Well, uh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Judge. Think about, think about Aaron Judge this year. Everyone, fa- why did everyone fade him? Health, right? Mm, yeah. And look what happens when you had the bad no, year. And and no and uh, basically no speed, but yet he stole how many bags? <laughs> exactly. People weren't banking on stolen bases. They knew he'd be. They would think, okay, he'll he'll chip in because the dude can run. Like Judge yeah. has speed, but he they wasn't just ever thought. Him. No one ever thought he was going to steal what sixteen this year. But he he had the career year, and not saying that you know Eloy or anybody's ever going to have that. Uh, you know, is, is going to have that as well. But the issue is, is that everyone who faded him was wrong. And this, and I get that this was the exception to the rule, not the rule, you know, but I feel like every year we have these guys that they find like you're on state healthy too. another guy that, you know, everyone was always concerned about the health, the knees that was last year, but you get my point. Like he stayed healthy that year after the knees and all that. I think all these players can figure it out. And now it's like, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I feel like playing it safe doesn't it's it's not the winning recipe anymore. At least no, it safe. never was. It's but always I, I, a balancing I, act. That's, that's the thing. Is. I think my I think my I think issue was need, I think my you was, need I was, to be safe with your bench and you need to a certain part to your bench and you need to, you know, you got to just figure out what, um, you know, you got to figure out, you know, how deep each position is and attack the lesser deep positions early just to make sure that you will always have um, someone in the lineup, you know? No, so, for sure. Um, no, I, I I get that. I'm just think, I'm think I think I'm just self reflecting here a little bit about yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I, I mean think, it's a balancing act that everyone needs to go through and uh, figure I, I was out as too, time goes by. Just... I'm like I'm like you. I'm more. I'm probably just as risk averse, if not even more risk averse than you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you got to take chances, and uh, I think it's that was something me. that was something I worked on towards the end of last draft season. And um, that was something I tried to do more of with, I know it's a different format, but the online championships and, and one of them I came in, I ended up coming in second actually on the last day. And the other one I came in fifth, the league we were in together. Um, and uh, I thought that was pretty good for the first time ever doing them. I'm actually not doing them again next year, but yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think I'm going to do it just like an OC qualifier. And then if I hit that, I, yeah, um, I, I, but I yeah, I mean, I think, I think anyone who, yeah, that's what you got to just learn your own tendencies and try and adjust as the years go on and hope that you kind of, uh, you know, become a better player because of that. So self-reflection, yeah. I'm gonna win the DC overall this year. It's just, it's just go it's for it. <laughs> well, I, I am gonna go for it. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen, but I'm gonna try. No, but uh, was there any big takeaways that uh, that you had from your 2022? No, nah, it was actually really annoying when I was trying to do it because every team was just the strengths and weaknesses for every team <laughs> was absolutely opposite. It was just like extremely bothersome for me. Where like one team had a plenty of home runs, the other team had no home runs. A different team had a ton of bags, while the other ones, it's just like it was. I was literally all over the place. Um, I will say, I I didn't cash as much as I wanted to. I I put a, I think I put a tweet out, but like I did, um, I did like six or seven DC fifties, and I came in third in like five or six of them, which sucked. <laughs> So I like just missed on like all of them. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know. It was hard for me to do that uh, because I, I couldn't like figure out or target really a category. Um, but I will say, I think overall, 
which is, I guess, you know, something to be expected kind of with me is overall, I think my pitching was better as opposed to my hitting. So, um, I got to like adjust some things on that. I've tried, I've tried to teach you how to drop hitting. You don't want to listen to me. No, (laughs) (laughs) I know. There is, I will, I will end my hitting talk with this. There is one hitter, one player I will be targeting heavily early in drafts before the ADP moves back up. And maybe I'm just a, a glutton for punishment, but give me all the Trevor Storg on the bounce back next year. I, I, I'm, yeah, I can see that. I, I, well, here's the thing. This was the first year of his career since, well, since 2016, his rookie year, that he's played under 142 games. And this year, not only an injury prone, an injury down, a down season overall for his standards, but 94 games, just 396 play appearances. Trevor Story still hit 16 home runs, still stole 13 bases while hitting like sixth most of the year. I know the, the strikeout rate was through the roof, 30%. He only hit 238. I'm not expecting much of a batting average. I understand that. But the guy was a perfect 13 for 13 on stolen bases and, again, still hit 16 home runs. And this was while adjusting. The guy was still, you know, adjusting to a new park, new deal. Yeah, I was going to say, he'll probably be better, too, because I'm sure he was pressing like crazy. Not to mention... Well, in the second half, such a small sample, but in the second half, he had 150 WRC plus. Sure, it was only 50 at bats or 54 plate appearances, but he was, he, I remember he was starting to come around. I'm like, oh, story's figuring it out. And then he went down with the injury yeah, after injury. I heard again. Yeah, but it was one of those I know, things. I had where, him on a couple teams. But it's one of those things where, again, the, the big thing for me was the 13 for 13 stolen bases, but something else people might not be considering yet. And maybe I'm hoping the first be the first one to say this Bogarts might be out of town this year. That means story. Because Story was learning a new position on the first year of a mega deal for or a mega deal for him. Yeah. And then new position, new team, new big deal. Now he might. So it's the second year. Team might be dismantled. It sounds like I saw a quote the other day where pretty much everyone's talking about leaving. And if Bogarts isn't re-signed, Story gets to go back to shortstop, his natural position, which usually, you know, we always hear about this. Players changing positions is a big deal for them. So I think we could be seeing him, you know, get healthy. Sure, you might be turning 30 this year, which, you know, that's kind of concerning. You know, he'll be, he'll be entering that wrong side of 30 deal, but I think he's got another good year in him, and I'm willing to take the bounce back, especially, it's, I bet you his price is going to be outside the top 100, and then by the time we get into, like, February, it'll be like a, he'll be like an 80-ish, around 80 or 75 top, 75 top 80 pick. So he's one of those guys that early drafts, I'm taking advantage of and buying the dip. And yeah. I understand it's a risk, but I'm liking what I'm seeing Like in terms of and then throwing in the fact that story could just return to his natural position, less stress, a team that might be looking to rebuild kind of. So maybe the runs and RBI on it is great, but he'll have a better lineup position batting top of the order all year and be kind of built built around in terms of like having players around him, you know, with more lineup protection instead of being the guy batting sixth in the lineup. So I don't know, just a little food for thought. I'm just putting that out there. Story is a guy that I realized really early. I want a lot of. Yeah, that's gonna do it for me, Mike. We talked way more. Yeah, than- yeah. Think we're good. Welcome back. <laughs> this is- <laughs> I'm glad to have you. As uh, even though you left me, I- I'm like a, I'm like I'm like I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker, and I'm just I, I took you back with open arms as if like you never left me in the first place. Broke my heart. Good. good. Broke my heart, Michael. I'm gonna leave you again. I bet you you will. It's okay. <laughs> not, not if I leave you first. All right. Uh, for those listening still, we appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the off season. Mike and I will be back probably twice a month, give or take. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at SP streamer. I'm at Mike underscore Curlin. Don't forget to check us out at uh, patreon.com slash G T E fantasy. That is G T E gaining the edge. Cause that's what you do with us. 
Sorry, that's all I got. That's like the most enthusiasm I can give at 1030 at night. I'm an old man. Um, Yeah, that's going to do it. Appreciate listening, and we'll talk to you soon.